This is Legal Impact, the weekly show presented by the University of New Hampshire Franklin Pierce School of Law. Now accepting applications for JD and graduate programs, learn more and apply at law.unh.edu. Opinions discussed are solely the opinion of the faculty or host and do not constitute legal advice or necessarily represent the official views of the University of New Hampshire and UNH Franklin Pierce School of Law. So the legal impact has hit a milestone. We've reached 200 episodes over two and a half years now. Um, I'm very thankful to my guest today, Dean Megan Carpenter of the law school, uh, for allowing me to do this project and having everyone on over the years. Uh, welcome to the show. Thank you so much and congratulations. So we've been doing it since 2017. We started with Masterpiece Cake Shop um, and a whole lot of craziness has happened since then too to keep the show going, which is nice. With Mike McCann and uh, Buzz Sure, Drug Raby filling in the majority of those professors and many others through the years, but I, I thought 200 would be a good indication, and with the way the legal education market is at this point, it'd be a great time to touch on how the legal education field is right now, because it feels like it's rebounding. It's certainly seeing it here at UNH, which is amazing, um, whether it's the hybrid program or just overall enrollments going up, but big picture, how do you see the field being right now? Over the last few years, we've seen an increase in applications for the JD program across the country and and regionally here in the Northeast as well. Um, Here at UNH Franklin Pierce, we've far outpaced kind of both Mm. the the nation and the region in, in our applications and our increases in enrollment. But I think there are a few things that are in, that are, are responsible for that. I mean, one is that um, you know during COVID, and I want to say post COVID, but we'll say during COVID, I think there have been a lot of people who are reevaluating what they want to do with their lives and how they want to use their time and and um, ways that they can make a difference in the world. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I think that's part of it. Uh, another thing is just that we are culturally in the middle of kind of a revolution of social justice and thinking about um, issues of equality and equity, diversity and inclusion. And and that, I think, has motivated people to sort of dedicate their time to getting the credentials they need to, to make change in the world. Um, and so those have combined, I think, third, there's, there's definitely a political polarization right now mm-hmm. where... There are very few issues that are not political in some ways or, or politicized in some ways. And um, and so I think that has been an additional motivator for people to to evaluate, um, you know, what kinds of degrees will give them the, the tools that they need to affect change. I mean, me coming into here, I'm not a lawyer. I'm close to a law journalist as far as the, this but podcast you, But you can be. I you still could, can be. be. <laughs> That's right. We oh, have a hybrid JD. You do? <laughs> we'll get into that. Um, but it didn't click with me coming into it how much the law interacts with so many different things, whether it's policy, whether it's what's going on specifically with changing how the courts and the legal process works, whether it's intellectual property and how all the tentacles that kind of weaves into over time. We've got an episode on COVID-19 and trademarks with uh, adjunct professor Timberlake, who, which you can catch out in the podcast feed. Um, it, it, do you feel like people are becoming more aware of how involved the legal industry is now? I hope so. I, I want to blow it up. I mean, I think we when we think about legal education, we have often in, you know, to to our discredit um, in, as lawyers and and as leaders in law schools, we've thought about it as kind of a one size fits all JD credential. But when you think about it, there are legal frameworks and legal structures mm-hmm. surrounding every single, you know, 
aspect of our lives. You know, when I was in university, um, you know, whatever my major was, you had these different categories of classes that you had to take and sort of certain requirements that you had to fulfill before you graduate. But something involving the law was never one of them. But, you know, law is the ultimate liberal arts subject area. Mm -hmm. And whatever you do, whether it's in, you know, business and finance or psychology and sociology and engineering, um, in coding and technology, there there are legal frameworks that surround everything that we do. And and students, whatever degree they're going for, um, whatever credential they they want, would be better off having some knowledge of of law because it just touches every aspect of everything we do. And a way we used to, 10 years ago when I started here at at UNH, the the thinking was you come to law school not just to be a lawyer but to think like a lawyer and i feel like we've that should be considered again be as people especially you talk about social justice people wanting to change systems no matter what side of the aisle it's very important to think how the laws work absolutely and and i think people are realizing that more and more and you know we as leaders in legal education can further that through you know micro credentials and you know people who are out in careers working, you know, you can still have some kind of exposure to legal education without necessarily wanting to become a lawyer. And, and I think law schools should not be afraid of that. Law schools should embrace that as part of our mission of legal education. Can you give an example of a surprising way where uh, you've had a student or someone, you've been a practicing lawyer before too, It's uh, where they entered the law in a different way than you wouldn't have necessarily expected? You know, one, I think, great area is in um, the area of sports law, yeah. where we are, are truly one of the, the national leaders um, with a program run by Professor Michael McCann. And, um, you know, one of the things that he has worked to create is a professional certificate for both lawyers and non-lawyers on um, sports wagering and integrity. And we've seen so many developments in sports law, especially in the sports betting arena in, in recent years. And the people that have come into that certificate program over time, you know, have been it's been a very interesting kind of interdisciplinary connection for people, NCAA compliance officers, you know, people who are general counsel at universities. Um, you know, there are so many people coming at an issue from different perspectives. And, and one of the most amazing things to me is to see the kinds of classroom discussions that are had when different people bring unique perspectives to the classroom. That that enhances the actual learning experience, not just, um, you know, from a textbook perspective, but but really for the students themselves. You're talking about multifaceted ways that uh, legal education kind of weaves in. I mean, sports law is a perfect example because constant themes of when I do episodes with Professor McCann are contracts, there's antitrust, there's entertainment law with, the, with regards to sports broadcast, there's uh, permits for and working around ADA compliance when it comes to stadiums and such. Uh, it's like a poster child for the way it can be interdisciplinary. Yeah. It's been interesting to me. We have a, a hybrid JD in intellectual property technology and information law designed for working professionals. And, um, you know, the entire program sort of recognizes that, you know, law school is expensive. We all yeah. know that. But to to tell people not only do you have to invest this huge sum in your education, but also if you're working, you have to quit your job in order to do that and, and maybe move your family to, to New Hampshire to get a top legal education in IP and tech. Um, we wanted to design a program that would break down some of those barriers and bring our learning experience to working professionals wherever they are. 
And I feel like through that program, I have seen so many people who've come to the law in interesting ways. So we have doctors and entrepreneurs. Um, we have people who are focused in in the patent space. We have um, educational technology specialists. We have so many different people, marketing folks, um, mm-hmm. who find technology and the legal frameworks around that impacting their job every day. And so the classroom discussions are not just about the law, but but they do involve those unique perspectives that the students bring. And, and that has been a really incredible learning experience for me to watch. In that working experience, because basically all of them are professionals before going into this program. So they've got real world experience with, hey, when I was I had this patient once that had this needed this drug or whatever, and there's patents involved with things like that, and they wanted to learn more about it. Absolutely, I was I was struck. Um, I, I was teaching in the classroom one day, and I threw out a hypothetical about you know um, some kind of uh, drug development, and and um, and it was as I was talking, one of the students raised her hand and she said, you know, I have a PhD in in, um, in this field, and and this is sort of how it would really play out in in real life, and so um, that kind of that kind of experience, it's not something that we look at, at working experience as something that you have to overcome to go to school. We look at, look at it as a, a positive, and, and that really enhances the experience for everyone. How, much would you, how important would you say the hybrid programs are going to be for us, of course, is one of the key factors, self-interest, but just across the legal education industry, the, the ability for students to be able to learn at home but still also come to campus a few times a year? It's so fascinating, AJ. It you know, universities used to be designed. You know, initially they're sort of designed to keep people separate from real life. You know, you yeah. think about, you know, you go off to college and you're kind of sequestered somewhere and and you're immersing yourself in becoming an adult and learning and the kind of learning experience separate from the real world. Well. I advocate for a complete reconceptualization of what professional graduate education is. And I think that we benefit as we seek to, you know, launch the careers of lawyers, not by kind of separating them from the world, but really embracing it. So, um, you know, I I think that COVID has accelerated, um, you know, our our country's willingness to kind of embrace some new ways of learning and and technology. Um, But I think that that being able to break through that brick and mortar and bring learning to people wherever they're located is something that that is and really should be a hallmark of the future of professional graduate education. Are other schools trying to steal our program? <laughs> we welcome all entrants into the market. Um, you know, I, I think that's one of the the incredible things about being um, not in private industry, but really in the education field, where I have found a, a wonderful kind of collaborative yeah. learning, um, you know, sharing of knowledge with with other deans at at other law schools, and I'm really grateful for that. Um, I have so many as as mentors, and I'm happy to help others kind of a- along the way too. Um, but one of the interesting things we've done too is to take our learning and make it place-based. So we there are some things that we can do very well online, and, and we should be doing those online where we can, um, you know, that enhances the, the pedagogical experience for the students. Um, but then there are also wonderful ways that we can take learning um, kind of on the road. Mm. And and that's a, a unique aspect of the, our hybrid program that doesn't exist in any other program in the country. Yeah, it gives us a chance to, to have students. So we've got prime examples. A week after this, this episode of the podcast is going out, we're going to be going to Silicon Valley for a week. We're going to be having professionals in tech 
coming to speak to our students. We were in Washington, D.C. a couple months ago for the first hybrid immersion that was off-site and over at Errant Fox, which is a great friend of the school. Thankfully, we're able to go use their facility all the time, which is awesome. Uh, but it, it gives a, a great great um, networking opportunities and kind of a little more getting down in the weeds than you wouldn't necessarily get just sitting in a classroom regardless of where your school is. Yeah, I think of it in, um, you know, sort of as someone who also loves learning and wine, um, I think of it as kind of the terroir of learning. So when you think about, you know, people talk about wines being of a place and Mm -hmm. kind of, you know, they benefit from the soil and the environment in which they're grown. Um, you know, I think of learning experiences that way, and that's kind of how we've designed this this uh, program of immersion. So when we go to Silicon Valley, the students are learning how different business models impact IP strategies. Mm-hmm. And they're learning from the heads of IP at places like, you know, Microsoft, Google, Dolby, Apple, Samsung, you know, and, and learning how Google's model for um, intellectual property strategy is very different than than Apple's or Samsung's. So um, if, we're, if the students are going to learn about IP policy and advocacy, then let's take them to D.C. and they can mm-hmm. learn from folks in the judicial, the executive, you know, the, the legislative Lobbying. branch. Yeah, it's, it's just um, what a phenomenal experience to kind of not sequester students away for a learning experience, but embed them in in place. And I think the students can attest that it has just been a transformative experience for them as well. Yeah, and I'd say, especially it's been the history with this school is our alumni are rabid, would be a way to say it. <laughs> they love the school very much, and, and they love having our students come in to do residencies and such, and obviously residencies are still gonna be, continue to be a big focus or uh, summer summer law employment and such. Yes, and it's, um, you know, residencies, some schools call them externships, um, but we, we've really sort of modeled them in some ways after a medical residency mm-hmm. where students spend up to a semester or even a year um, working full time somewhere and um, relating that back to the classroom experience. They're doing reflection papers. They're kind of incorporating that into the, the, the learning experience overall. And, um, and, I think that by the time our students graduate, we want to see them have four different working experiences, five different working experiences, so they can really be more prepared to hit the ground running when they graduate. So do you feel like the starting of like the hybrid program, the various sorts of online programs like with like the like with Masters in Intellectual Property, things like that, being able to be online, it was waiting for the technology to be there or the workplace has finally gotten to the point where they're needing more people in these fields or was it just a perfect storm? We launched the hybrid program. We started the hybrid program about a year and a half before um, before COVID Thankfully. hit, when we were starting. <laughs> um, but I think it it really has been an interesting confluence of events where um, you know we want law firms. I think are recognizing as they're seeking to hire grads that online education has. Um, you know, is not kind of the online education of the past, Mm -hmm. um, that what they may have seen 10 years ago, 20 years ago. You know, we aim for an interaction in our classroom, um, online classroom, every two and a half minutes, we want you to be doing something. So this is an incredibly engaging, it's not just a a video of a professor lecturing for 90 minutes. Um, This is an incredibly engaging learning experience with knowledge checks and little quizzes as you go along and, and, um, you know, that has been, I think, getting people to recognize that um, has been a part of it, being able to educate people about what it means to have an online or hybrid online program. Um, so there, that's part of it. And then I also think 
one of the things we're doing is that's core to our mission is making a legal education accessible to people who otherwise wouldn't be able right. to to get it. So, um, you know, educating people about the, the our prospective market, our prospective students to say, hey, guess what? You can follow your dreams. Mm-hmm. You can go to law school and and we will help you learn when and where you learn best. Yeah, and diversity and inclusion is obviously a priority of anybody in higher ed right now. And the, the hybrid program especially has been a great launching point to get more students that wouldn't necessarily be able to travel across the country to be able to enter the program uh, and to have access to networking because law firms need people from different backgrounds. In order for them to have the networking, they need to reach certain communities. You're exactly right. And the in industry, we're seeing more and more of a demand for, you know, by companies sort of saying to, to their outside counsel and law firms, you know, we want diverse teams of lawyers working on our projects. So it, it really has helped to further change for us. And, and you know, our, our program says to people, you know, I feel like it's coming from an incredible place of privilege to say to somebody, if you want to be a lawyer, you have to be able to afford law school and also give up you know, your day job and your entire life to be able to do that. Um, Being able to offer a top legal education to people who um, want to be working while they're in school is something that I think is is a real powerful message. And we've seen that reflected in in the, um, the actual students who attend as well. So you have about two minutes left. I mean, what do you think, where do you see legal education in five, 10 years? I think we're going to see it look more and more like the program that we have have launched in the last few years. Um, I think that we'll see professional graduate education, not thinking so much about what it means to have an online degree or an in-person degree. I think those lines are going to be incredibly blurred. And we will all just think of technology and the opportunities that it affords us as a kind of modality to accomplish our pedagogical goals themselves. I also think that when it comes to legal education, um, I want to see all different kinds of legal education touch um, you know, people wherever they are, in the undergrad, in the professional world, um, you know, no matter what your area of interest or your major. There's a lot more professional industry acceptance now of the four-year degree was a requirement a few years back. If you want that next step where you're running the company and a larger corporation, they want that post-secondary degree. You're exactly right. And companies really need to support the educational development of um, yeah. of their employees. And, and so I expect we'll see more of that as well and training opportunities sort of throughout the arc of someone's career. It's not that you get your education and then you launch your career. It's that throughout the arc of your career, you are getting different forms of education at different times. And there's an, an article, a piece I wrote with the president of Infosys, um, um, Ravi Kumar, uh, about this this exact theory. And, and I think that's going to be more a part of our regular working lives um, in the next five to 10 years. Dean Megan Carpenter of UNH Franklin Pierce, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much. I can't wait to see what you'll cover in the next 200 episodes. So 200 episodes in, be sure to get all the back episodes at law.unh.edu slash podcast. show will be continuing on after this for sure. Uh, hopefully next week we'll have some uh, podcasts from Silicon Valley I'm hoping to record while we're out there. Thanks for listening to Legal Impact presented by UNH Franklin Pierce School of Law. To up for word about the show, please be sure to subscribe and comment on your favorite podcast platform, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Spotify.